0: There's a universe inside each of us. The Innerverse podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garten, and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all our lives. Welcome to the one within all to interverse. I'm your host, Chance, coming at you from a stormy day in a brand new decade. It's a full moon to boot, and we just had an eclipse, apparently. So let's harness this high energy moment to deliver another divinely delightful and entertainingly informative episode. We've spent a lot of time on the show recently and the whole time really exploring the all important mind-body-spirit connection, looking at the ways repressed trauma can linger in various parts of the body and cause energetic stagnation. And if this is as true as it seems to be from my personal experience, it stands to reason that if we start moving our bodies in unusual ways, we can at the same time open up our minds to start thinking outside the box. Lucky for us, we've got the perfect returning guest to bring us up to speed on the practicality of particular yoga positions and how they relate to our unique personalities. She's the quantum consciousness expanding Capricornian who's connecting the dots between astrology, yoga, folklore, and more. And her name is Emily Ridout. As a yoga teacher, folklore professor, and advanced astrologer, Emily creates customized movement routines for clients based on divinatory wisdom systems and their own personal star charts. Connecting the above and below by merging movement medicine with self-mastery, Emily dedicates her time to helping people find alignment both in the spine and of the mind. Last time she was with us, Emily explained her astro-yoga system, spoke on different types of astrology, and described the link between astrological occurrences, cycles in nature, and our bodily energy structures, just to name a few of the topics in that epic episode. Today we're going to pick up where we left off and dive deeper into folklore and mythology as we seek the solutions to our timeless human conundrums as they've been handed down to us through ancient wisdom traditions And I'm sure we'll find more nuggets of Gnosis by exploring further on Emily's path as an astro yoga practitioner and teacher. Check out Emily's website at emilyridout.com, where you can download a free chart of recommended yoga moves for each sun sign. And while you're there, sign up for her awesome weekly newsletter with regular instruction on astrological happenings and the movements that synergize with the seasons and the stars. You can find Emily's website and her Instagram in the show notes, along with a link to Interverse Plus on Patreon, which you can subscribe to right now to get access to the extended version of this episode and an archive of over 80 members-only, double-length, two-hour shows, and you'll get to feel good about supporting a podcast you really like that doesn't ever assault your ears with random advertisements or sponsors. And now it is high time to get this show on the road, so let's all do a cartwheel headstand or at least some solid breathing work to get that internal energy circulating and ready to absorb an enlightening message from our wonderful guest today. You can never remind yourself too many times that you're more than your current body and mind and that you share the divine spark that ensouls the entire fractal cosmos within yourself and that indeed all is self. And there's nobody that you need love from except yourself. Send some of that infinite love energy you've got on through the astral ether and bless this episode's guest with all the gratitude you've got. And if you have the time, maybe even drop her a nice word on social media to thank her for coming back to talk to us again. She's the fantastic folklorist, awesome astrologer, and gallant guardian of the art of yoga. And I am stoked as heck to be speaking with her again. Emily, my friend, welcome back to Innerverse.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that introduction. It was was amazing. You're quite a wordsmith.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, before we started, we were just talking about the uh, mercurial gifts in my chart. And I do like to take advantage of that. It's all very good fun. Yeah, last time you were here, we probably barely scratched the surface of what could be a totally infinite range of conversation when you talk about astrology and yoga and folklore only got in there marginally for my taste because I'm a huge mythology nerd. But let's just kick off, uh, you know, since we're in Capricorn, but about to slide into Aquarius by the time this show comes out, what's the astro yoga prescription for our late January into February?
1: So there is a lot going on astrologically in the sign of Capricorn. Not just right now while the sun is in there, but all year Jupiter is there, Saturn is there, Pluto is there. These are some major players that bring about change. And actually Pluto brings about complete and permanent transformation. It's it's considered the sign of rebirth and reimagining and sh- shifting into new forms and Saturn can bring some some energy of challenge to that um, demanding structure and boundaries but Jupiter brings some beneficial expansion so right now all the way through the year but really through winter especially Capricorn season Aquarius season even Pisces season we can all be doing some energetic work to realign and reconnect with the root of things. Um, So if you think about transformation in nature, like a tree growing from a seed into the whole thing, the one thing that's, that's permanent there is when the root goes down, the root stays. And of course, the roots grow and change and shift as well. But as long as in this time period, you're connecting back to your root, all of the transformations... All of the shifts that are happening energetically are going to be more beneficial for you than if you are not connected to that root. Um, You could imagine being uprooted, actually, and that could be, of course, quite detrimental. And we'll see all sorts of shifts going on all around us, but really within yourself, doing practices that relate to grounding work. Even um, I teach yoga. I've been doing a lot of work to strengthen areas around the knees, a lot of bent leg warrior threes, a lot of strengthening and the quads and the calves. Um, all of those things can be really, really great right now.
0: Sweet. That makes a lot of sense that we are seeing the trees around us being bare of their leaves. And right now there's a storm going on outside. So I'm sure we're going to see some limbs on the ground and overall the what we see of the structure from the surface looks like it's kind of withered or barren or smaller now, but underneath the surface, those roots are as strong and as expansive as ever. And I think, uh, yeah, this time of year really does point to the strength that's in the roots because that's what most of these life forms are subsisting on in the cold and (laughs) the less sunlight as we experience it here. So. Uh, strengthen your root, take a lot of vitamin D. <laughs> That's always good in winter.
1: It's true. Yeah. Um, I drink a lot of um, drinks that contain mushrooms, just like cordyceps or lion's mane. They have a lot of vitamin D. Get it in your bloodstream.
0: I didn't know that those mushrooms had that, but it makes sense. They are powerful healing agents and very adaptive too. That's awesome. Uh, We have just finished up 2019 and, you know, hindsight is 2020. (laughs) Were there any astrological themes in 2019 or the previous decade as a whole that you saw coming true?
1: Sure. Wow. What a a big question, though, because, well, the decade, so, so much happened, right? The year itself had started this process that we're continuing this year, this Capricorn to cancer axis, where we're looking at how, how do we reincorporate nurture into our relationship with our kind of humanity's desire to be taking charge of like natural resources. So how do we reincorporate actually caring, a receptive quality, these, Qualities of cancer into how we approach and relate to the environment so that we're not just taking to make things for ourselves, you know, all the things we use every day, like our computers, our phones, but how do we actually replace, replenish, and thank the earth for what it does for us and also become very aware of what happens when we don't thank the earth? So we're seeing all sorts of. Environmental challenges popping up, which can be quite devastating. Um, right now, even the the fires in Australia, as well as well the fires the fires in the United States that happened a while back in California. Some some different activity regarding climate change. We're entering this time where we've gone from oh, we're aware of it. Now everybody knows pretty much, to how do we actually reincorporate our ability to care enough to act? So that's what all of this, on a global scale, Capricorn to Cancer continuum is asking us as well in the past couple of years. Uranus has been in Taurus and it will continue to be there for the next five or so. And Uranus does bring this this chaos idea toward earth energy. So we're really exploring, how do we reincorporate those things we subjugated in favor of sort of what the 20th century was all about was like conquering, you know, we were conquering nature, we were, we were obsessed with the stock market, maybe and money and um, business, right, which those things have a place. But to let go of our need to climb higher and higher, which is what Capricorn wants so that it can come back into balance with our need to nurture and have emotional connection with what we're doing. So the reincorporation of the personal when dealing with the earth and earth energy. So any practical thing.
0: That definitely makes sense. I do feel that we have to temper that drive to expand with a healthy version of boundaries where we're not just creating boundaries out of our own personal sort of greed or what we want for ourselves, but realizing that we have to also take account of how our boundaries are affecting others. Like uh, the entire planet as a whole is going through some weirdness with the uh, ecosystem and environment definitely related to human behavior. And Technology is a part of that as well, because a lot of the technologies we use all the time require some pretty heavy duty mining operations and pillaging of the, <laughs> the earth just to get those things. And we have something like Christmas come along and uh, who knows how many people just throw an old device in the trash and instead of recycling it. And to me, that's the weirdest thing ever is whenever you have something really That was really expensive at one point, and maybe it's not as expensive now because the technology is more obsolete, but now it's like a big paperweight to you. And do you shove it in a drawer? Do you throw it in the trash, find a place to recycle it? That seems like the best option, but it's, it's weird how our culture's obsession with constantly making money leads us to do what we do with technology, where instead of creating something more modular, where, you know. Maybe your phone, the the main phone itself, you don't replace the whole phone at a time. You get a better battery and swap that out. You get a better processor and swap that out. Maybe like component by component instead of sort of recycling the whole thing back into uh, a resource heavy extraction method just to get those parts back out of it. If that makes sense. I mean, we're we have a throwaway culture and and something that humans have always been talented at is repairing and upgrading stuff that already exists. And it's kind of been lost on us in the last couple of decades, especially.
1: It's true. There's there's an element of planned obsolescence in everything from electronics to clothing that causes us to perpetually get new things. But it's also, I think, important to remember that this thing is occurring on a planetary scale. And It's, there's no one individual person who's responsible. It's, you know, not you, not me. Um, We're all collectively creating and perpetuating culture. And so now is a moment for us to compassionately take another look. And it's not to say that your grandfather or your grandmother or your, like whoever um, in your life or your parents' generation are to blame necessarily, right? Because people acted out of innocence always. Like they were doing what they thought was the best for themselves and their families. And even though there are all sorts of things we can point to in history that are heinous, horrible crimes against humanity, the the cultures that were created and perpetuated were usually done in a way that was... I want to say blind to what they were actually doing. Of course, there are notable exceptions, you know, but most, most for your average person, um, you know, they throw their computer away because they're confused about how to recycle it. Or we haven't created a way in which we can create a sustainable world for all of us yet. So now's our moment.
0: Right. We can't, Judge, you know the ancestors for doing what they thought was right at the time we can only do what we can only do our best and improve what we're doing individually and that's how you take responsibility for the culture and the culture will rise up to meet you or it will sink down to your level because you're the one that is it's emanating out of that totally makes sense so you know most people that have on the subject of like computer recycling most towns do have a place where you can easily recycle electronics if it's a a decent sized town. And if not, maybe just start collecting all that stuff for a while. And at some point send a big shipment somewhere or uh, drive somewhere where you can offload it in a good way. And that's just one very small example of something you can do. That's going to uh, alleviate the environmental <laughs> insanity that we're perpetuating. But yeah, well, now that we are kind of, uh, we've kind of reviewed where we've been coming from. What's the forecast for 2020? Do you have any thoughts on the vibe of this year? And maybe the, since we are in a new decade, what we can expect you did talk about the the five years remaining for Uranus's current transit. And that's, a, that's going to have a big impact on the flavor of what we see next. I think more emphasis on sort of like personal freedom and exploration and breaking away from uh, rigid institutionalized ways of thinking am i right about that
1: absolutely so we're we're currently depending on who you ask finishing up or in the middle of transitioning to this aquarian age where the concepts that we have the way that we approach humanity as a whole the way we know ourselves and our societies are going to be totally different from how they were for the last 2,000 years. So we're doing big work. And, you know, it would be remiss to say that, oh, we can, you know, make a few good wishes, you know, align ourselves once and then be totally done and ready. So the next several years or so, I see as those moments, did you ever, have you ever like not gone to... Whatever form of physical activity you like to do for a while and then done it, like gone back it's a little bit akin to that. It's like your body feels really easeful when it's resting on your couch or in your bed and the first time you do a new physical activity, it might feel really challenging while you do it while you do it, but it might feel really good to start. but then the next day you're going to be stiff and sore and maybe not feel better than you did the previous day when you were just hanging out on your couch so the work that we're doing is actually improving things but it's pulling up all the all the things that were hidden in our shadow and we're seeing them emerge and we're we're finally taking And there have been instances of this throughout history, different waves where we've done this and then it's subsided. But I think we're really looking at the shadow aspects of our society. Um, Those things that we didn't wanna look at because they were unpleasant. Um, And so it might feel a little bit like you're sore (laughs) for the next couple years, but we're ultimately building a better future.
0: That's good to hear. I just learned something from personal experience that I didn't realize when you get back into like cardio after taking quite a bit of time off. Apparently it can make your legs itchy or your skin itchy. I had never realized this, but something to do with like the capillaries or the blood vessels expanding further than they have been for a while. All of a sudden you feel like itchy legs and it's, that's really quite uncomfortable when you're on a treadmill. <laughs> and yeah. uh but it's like we have sort of built up a uh, debt to ourselves whenever we do uh, i guess spend a long amount of time with the exertion deficit it's like that energy that you have flowing through you all the time has to go somewhere so it twists itself up and builds itself up in weird ways or and whenever you do finally get back into a heavier flow In yourself, it's going to be, like you said, kind of uncomfortable, but that's also you can associate any feeling with whatever you want perspective wise. So we should associate the the difficulty of looking at our society's shadow with a positive type of growing pain for our conscious mind that we uh, can look at even dark stuff with a positive outlook and with an intentional outlook that informs our actions on a daily basis and helps us transform ourselves and not, we don't want to, you know, cause that feeling on the couch is like, Oh, it feels good to just lay here and be still. And we do need stillness, but overall the nature moves towards some kind of a progression, whether ascending or descending, evolving or devolving, there isn't really stasis in nature except for as a whole, I mean, like the universe as a whole remains a whole universe, right, with every component that was in it still being in it just shuffled around. So our our the power and stillness is in the cosmic or the the universal part of ourself and the human part of ourself actually is strengthened by motion and movement and exertion and effort
1: exactly but just like with exercise like if you don't rest afterwards you'll never you know your muscles won't grow not that i mean this is just a metaphor right like you could use any metaphor but your your physical body in order for you to create new pathways for either for you know muscular development or just for the neural pathways in your brain to remember what you did and create a new skill set you you have to rest Um, And so there has to be that dance. Like if you only go, 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 that's, that's not going to do a thing either. And if you only rest, that's not going to do something either. There has to be that, um, that connectivity between the dance of the movement of energy and then the stasis point where you, where you draw it all back into yourself.
0: Yeah, the Shakti and Shiva, as we talked about that last time. Exactly, and now, exactly. The many, many ways that the yin and the yang show up and teach us about how to balance ourselves. Pretty cool. Now, since we're still kind of talking about 2020 and what's to come, I did something a little bit special here. And I picked a tarot card to represent our upcoming year because I know you're a tarot person yourself, I've done maybe a few other Oracle-esque type of things on the show before, but never from the classic Rider-Waite tarot. And I think we got a very interesting card here. It's the... I'm going to turn my screen back on so you can see it for a second, but I got the uh, five of cups, but Ah, in the reversal position. So... Uh, upside down. And the image on this cup is like a cloaked sort of uh head down, maybe solemn or possibly even regretful or depressed, dark figure surrounded by five cups that are, uh, well, not five cups that are spilled, but there's five cups and three of them are spilled, but two of them behind the person, the person's like looking down at the spilled cups, but behind them, there are still two cups that are full. But, uh, in the reverse position, it kind of takes on a whole new meaning. And I was wondering what you could uh, share with us to illuminate what we're seeing here in this card and how it pertains to what we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. So I love this card. I'm so happy you pulled it. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the symbolism in the card, and then we'll talk about the potential reasons of, of the reversal, which I think is quite apt for this year so so the five of cups as as you described it perfectly this this man is standing he's outside of the town i believe if i'm remembering the card correctly and you can see the town kind of in the distance and between him and the town is a river usually so that's that's always important the cups here are representative of the water element which ties to our emotions, so the emotions are really central. But also, every number in the tarot has great meaning. So here you have a, you have a couple numbers. You have five, which is the number of the hierophant um, or the great teacher. And in the Rider Waite deck, he looks like a a Catholic maybe bishop who's blessing you, and some people don't resonate with that symbolism because Catholicism has has a set of issues for many people. And he's represented in different ways. But what it is truly is your deepest internal teacher. So all the people in the tarot, you could argue that they're three people, the man, the woman, and spirit. Or you could argue that they're all actually embodiments of one being. And so here we have this idea that we have a deep internal teacher and this teacher is like the best teacher around because it's completely and totally aligned with reality. And it wants you to find that seed of bliss inside you that's present no matter what your external circumstances. So that's really important. Here then we have three knocked over spilled cups, which this man is like looking pretty sad about right he's staring at the three cups they've spilled his heart's a little broken perhaps about these three and the three in the tarot is is the divine feminine manifestation element so there's two aspects of the divine feminine that we see and one is the the divine feminine that can be Manifested and seen in real life. So, this is the activating principle of the feminine. It's what makes the plants grow, the flowers bloom, all of that stuff. And he's mourning that, which is appropriate. Behind him, though, is the number two, which is the number of the divine feminine in its unmanifest. And not just the unmanifest, but the access to the Akashic records, really. It's the high priestess's number.
0: It's interesting. That's the unconscious and he's got them behind him where he can't consciously see them.
1: It's true. <laughs> they, they were smart people who made these decks. And so you, you have these two cups behind him and they're full. And I would argue looking at this and relating it to a big theme that, because you can make these sometimes, you know, if you did a reading about a smaller matter, it might not have such a big meaning. It might show up and say like, oh, you have to remember what you do have, which is the ultimate meaning of the card. But behind him, he has, so the Akashic record is everything. And so he's lost one thing, but really he has everything. And so even though it, it may appear like, oh, two cups are less than three cups it's really sad he lost his three cups whatever behind him he has the support of the entire universe and this is something all of us forget in yoga we say that there are these there are these things called the, the cloaks or the sheets and there's something called anavamala which is just how we forget that we are actually um, totally worthy, connected to spirit that's beyond ourselves, and so he's an example of someone who has just forgotten it. And this is a a minor arcana card, and so it's temporary. And it's about it's about the emotion you feel when something you really wanted to pan out doesn't doesn't pan out. You're disappointed. You're sad. You've forgotten that you're everything. And there's still all the support behind you, but that doesn't make your loss any less tangible. And so the thing is in the distance is that city. And if you think about a cup of, of wine or whatever he has, he could go fill up the cup in the river. He could go fill up the cup with wine in the city. And there's usually I think a bridge going over the river. So there's a way to just pick up your three cups and go go get another glass of whatever your favorite beverage is, right? Get three. But the thing that's stopping him is the river itself, which is his churning emotions. So when this is reversed, this is a key that it's time to release this and move on. So the meaning is still present but you have to start looking at the card in a different way because it's upside down. So while he was looking down, now the face is actually looking up. And of course, in, in yoga, in tantra studies, and all sorts of things, there's, and in tarot, there's layers of meaning. So everything is not just one thing. It's many, many things. So you see him actually looking up. And what he's looking up at is the ground of being that he's standing on. So it's almost comical because it's such a connection to the, like the Cancerian being the water element and the Capricorn being the earth element that we just talked about. But he's looking at the earth at his feet, which are actually the tools he needs to take him back to the city to get his cup filled back up. So, it's a sad looking card, but all he has to do is forgive himself for spilling his, his wine or his water. You know, it's that old, don't cry over your spilled milk thing. It's very appropriate here. Like we have all done some things, us as a society, right? We've done a lot of things that were not done with complete alignment and integrity as we know it today and now, right? But Chances are, if you are a a person who's showing up in life and trying, that that was the best you knew how to do at that moment, or that you could do at that moment, given your circumstances. So maybe he put his glass down on like a lumpy piece of earth, and it spilled. Now is the moment you say, oh, well, that happened. No matter what has happened to you in your life, that has happened. And now we're going to take a moment to remember that we still have so much. If you are, no matter what's happened to you, if you are alive and on this planet today, like we have more going on in favor of us than almost any humans in history. And so it's an invitation, like forgive yourself. Like if you're saying negative things to yourself in your mind, if that's what's getting your emotions churning, let it go. If you've forgotten who you are and that's what's gotten your emotions churning, remember where you put your feet. And then, you know, take a step, even if you're feeling something unpleasant, you know, take a take a couple steps. Go to the city, get your wine or your, you know, kombucha.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. I like that you bring the numerology into it. That's the key to actually interpreting the especially the minor arcana, which can be a little daunting. I mean, I, I've studied a lot of tarot, and I still wouldn't feel comfortable trying to just like dole out a uh, a reading to somebody other than myself. When I, With myself, I can spend a lot of time looking at sources that I admire and respect to help me interpret what I'm looking at. And of course, the, the intuitive interpretation is always very important as well. One of my favorite sources, though, or resources for tarot... And I'll ask you what yours are uh, in a second. But what I learned a lot from a teacher and researcher named Michael Tesserion, who's got an excellent book you can get on like your e-reader or Kindle or download to your phone called Path of the Fool, Meanings of Tarot. And it's a very concise and it's like it's like the book in the tarot deck box that you wish you got instead of the like really slim one that usually comes with it. (laughs) And he likes to point out that even the both, both the uh, reversed card and the upside right card have dual meanings. And it depends on the individual and maybe where in the spread the card is at, whether it's the positive or negative version of the reversal or the upright. So with the reversal, he has listed that a period of sorrow and pain ends suffering avoided Better feelings, recovery, healing returns. Numbness wears off, and I like to think that whenever you get a card like this, you have the opportunity to embrace those things and bring them in because you're you're conscious of them. But there's the uh, the negative meaning of the inverse could possibly mean, according to him, naivety, <laughs> impracticality, gullibility, emotional immaturity, shallowness, coldness and lack of empathy or consideration. So we got to realize that all of the positive traits of anything also could carry an imbalanced wave with them. If uh, we're not aware that that's possible, we might fall into it. So while we want to be, you know, we want to avoid the suffering of crying over spilt milk. We also should remain practical as well and not be sort of emotionally immature about things. And, um, what you would call like spiritual bypassing. So realizing that the um, the suffering period that humanity has come through and that maybe we're going to return to healing after is still something like relevant and there's wisdom in what happened that we can dig out of there and not, we don't want to just like pull, rip off a, a Band-Aid before the, the healing process is fully done. So we like, we need to, remain aware of everything that got us to the perspective we're at right now without jumping over or leapfrogging the more difficult lessons or the the maturity that we really need to make positive changes and healing and recovery stick. So I, I like this because with water as a as a cups card, it is talking about our our sensitivity and it's that we need to it's not that we need to get rid of our sensitivity because that might seem like a solution to somebody who's upset over the spilled three cups that if I just shut off my sensitivity then I won't care about this anymore and I can move on. In reality we just need to like fine tune our sensitivity and direct it inwards or or back towards ourselves because that's where the akashic is or the the record of spirit that you represent that represents the uh or that the two cups in the back do represent that there is a archive or what spirit really is in a literal sense is the memory or archive and the record of everything that's come before everything that's ever happened like that is what spirit is it's it's paying attention it's aware it's watching through every point of energy (laughs) point of consciousness in the cosmos recording it all and keeping track of it and that's really something amazing that we are emergent out of that and that's where the true power lies is to see, is to bring the threads of the past to our present to weave our future.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought up spiritual bypassing because that has been a hot topic lately, right? And this this year with the practicality of it is, is a moment to test that. I think a lot of human beings on the planet right now have been kind of waking up like we've realized like there's something more than what we thought originally. Like we're connected in new ways and there's all sorts of you know science and research and beautiful energetic systems coming out of it. And it can be tempting to just go into that and let go of the practical. But I think the earth is yelling for us to make sense and The way, the way, if you, if anyone listening to this is wondering, you know, wow, I'm really interested in all these things. Am I spiritually bypassing something? There's like a couple easy tests that, you know, not that someone else would test you with, but that you can, if you're curious about yourself, you can just look and say, you know, do I do my practices even when they're boring? because sometimes they're very exciting, right? You're like, oh, you know, very exciting. My meditation felt so good. And then sometimes you meditate and it becomes dull because you do the same thing every day. Like keep doing your practice. And the other thing is, are you taking tangible steps in reality? Like what, what does your action look like? Um, So a lot of people get stuck in this like desire, like wanting something beautiful in their life or even knowledge, which I think is where I tend to get stuck because I love studying things. So you study, but then there's a third aspect of spirit, which is action. And so as long as you are seeing tangible action, which is what this man needs to do, right, is he needs to either remember that he has the spirit behind him or let and like be okay that he's filled his three cups or just quite simply say, I really cared about those three cups. I want them filled up again. The cups aren't broken, you know, pick them up and walk the short distance to a tavern that could fill them right back up for him. So there's an element of practicality that's encouraged here that I think is important to just think about.
0: Absolutely. And especially as it pertains to our upcoming year and decade, I think we're just going to get more and more spilled cups whenever we look out at the world and and uh, the corruption of the control systems continues to be uncovered and further and further layers of craziness revealed that I've realized that it's still spirit that is directing all of this. And I guess we needed to get to a certain point of difficult complexity to reach our next level up as a a consciousness that a universal consciousness experiencing itself as all these different people. So I think that's really, it's a really apt card for what we've been describing because there's there's sort of elements of all of what we described that came through in that. And I love Tarot's synchronistic ability to just line up exactly with the vibe that is appropriate for the moment. It's pretty amazing.
1: It is amazing. And there's so much packed into each card. And I love that they're visual and, you know, all sorts of amazing artists have have channeled these beautiful decks into reality. And to just look at them, like you come away with a pictorial feeling rather than um maybe a, a a text thing and so in some ways this symbolic language can can access us in in ways that other other languages can't so i always enjoy it
0: yeah spirit speaks through images i mean imagine i always say imagination is the foundation of all forms of thought that imagination isn't a way of thinking but thinking so, is a a type of imagination <laughs> so that imaging is where spirit communicates with us whether through making us feel that what we're seeing is beautiful or ugly or whatever or even directly depositing visions in our in our mind that inner illumination i think that's where like super deep levels of wisdom come through that sometimes we can't even like in a meditation practice you might spontaneously see or experience something on your inner world that you literally have no context for what that means symbolically or what it even was, but still you feel better or more integrated after the session and you just go with it.
1: It's true. And, and things come to us in all sorts of ways. So the best, the best thing, if something like that happens is just to pay attention, you know, be present, which sounds so easy, but you know, it's not. (laughs)
0: Yeah. uh, While we're still in our first hour here, I wanted to drop one particular question on you about the power in moving unconventionally and how that helps us think outside of the box. Like I said in the intro, how movement practices actually expand our perspective on ourselves and on our world. Can you talk on that and maybe even describe possible like astro yoga success stories from clients that relate to that?
1: Sure. Yeah. So your, your body has holding patterns and these relate back to your astrology, um, your personal history, your personal mythology, like what you believe, how you act and how you self present and self identify in the world. And sometimes through specific events, whether traumatic or positive can change that as well. And so the physical body and the subtle body are intrinsically interwoven in a way that we separate them conceptually, but I don't necessarily think that that should be our only model. I think that the physical is like a manifest version of your subtle body. That being said, you know, if you have a disease, I always tell people this, there's like a popular concept that sometimes you can get an energetic disease, like someone clenches their, their jaw and holds their throat for their whole life and then develops a thyroid condition because they've never learned to speak. That doesn't mean all thyroid conditions come from that, right? There's all sorts of reasons why people have disease, um, from environmental to things, things we simply don't under understand, but Disease can develop because of like grunties or knots that develop in your in your system or or even just slight discomfort like before something becomes full blown like a full blown ailment that's bugging you, it will be unconscious because if you were conscious of it, you know you would you would be like, "Oh, I should like work this out and so sometimes it will it will start being a little louder to you. But there are physical spaces in the body where individuals will tend to hold things. I actually found one for me last night that I wasn't aware of, but I was doing some some calf smashing, for lack of a better word, like where huh. you, yeah, <laughs> um, to to work out the area around my knees, and I discovered there was something living in my calf that was quite unpleasant to experience emotionally, but I, you know, I, I sat with it, I breathed through it. And if you, if you give yourself the opportunity to feel and integrate the entirety of body, like it doesn't matter your level of health right now, like it will get a little bit healthier. You will, you will feel a little bit better. that's not to say, you know, you'll You'll grow a leg back if you lost your leg, but you'll, you know, 1%, 2%, one day at a time, things, things shift and change. And so if energy gets trapped somewhere, we'll take the chakras as, as an example. If you, let's say you are a natural-born artist, which I will argue that all human beings are natural-born artists, our natural state is a state of creativity there's an element of play that's really important for human beings like we are literally a form of ape we're like a very fancy ape right but we are like and if you look at like apes they they play like animals play and so we we have to have that ability to be creative and playful and it doesn't matter you know if you're michelangelo or whatever if you're not using your creative faculty, even if it's just to doodle on the side of your planner or, you know, hum a tune in the shower, you're, you'll, you'll develop some stickiness there, just right there in the low belly. And you might start to develop feelings of, of discomfort in the belly or if you, or you might not notice it at all. But then if you start to do some really conscious movement, like I love breath of fire, any type of breath work where you're churning out your lower chakras tends to aliven and and awaken things. And if you feel emotions coming up or sensation coming up, try to feel them entirely. And if you really stay with where they are in your body and how you feel, they'll dissipate almost 100% of the time within like four minutes.
0: One thing I've come across recently is that when somebody feels like they can't feel anything stuck in their body or where a negative emotion or recurring thought pattern might be coming from in their body where they feel like it's only strictly mental that that person does tend to have some like digestion difficulty even with a good diet the person might have digestion difficulty or in like uh gastrointestinal discomfort. And looking back on my personal life, I'm thinking about different periods of my history and realizing that when I was more creative, I had less digestion digestion problems when I was doing more creative stuff. So I guess what I'm getting to here is that the stomach problems are related to the inability to feel the emotions uh, on a bodily feeling level, that they are kind of mentalized. And that makes sense because that's the, that's the root. So if, if something's stuck there in that furnace area, then you're not going to necessarily feel where that's happening elsewhere in the body because the energy flow, which is also your consciousness of your internal body is stuck in that spot. So maybe maybe, there really is a correlation between practicing your creative gifts and just having fun and playing with them on a regular basis and unlocking getting that energy out of the uh, root and up to the next chamber which would be the sacral which does have a lot to do with creative energy creativity makes a lot of sense actually
1: yeah the sacral chakra's below and then the the your bigger- Your power, I would argue, so they're next to each other. So they do interact a lot, right? And your power center is right there where your stomach is, which makes sense, right? We put food in our stomach to give ourselves power. But but also energetically, making sure that you have your own power, like that comes from your creative root and your heart because the power center is right between your creativity and your heart. And so knowing that the balance of creativity and love is the manifestation of power, for me, I think is huge. Because I think power, we're like, oh, power is like, I don't know, war. (laughs) Yeah, controlling, like, all these kind of like heavy, sticky things. Not that money has to be heavy or sticky, but you know, war, controlling others. But if your power is the place between what you love and what you enjoy doing for fun. Like what, what does that mean for you as a human? Like as you gain power, like it means you'll become like a force for good and joy and healing in the world instead of a force for, you know, creating a calcification in the body where you, you know, try desperately to control beings that don't want to be controlled we all want to be free and happy right
0: man and one that i just kind of realized maybe even today was that not there's a whole nother level of controlling others that i i was like ignoring in myself that i do constantly which is not to control their physical actions or what they can do and not do but controlling their perception of you when you are so caught up in perception control (laughs) like that, you lose track of acting out of pure integrity, out of pure conscience. And because a lot of times, why would you even want to control the perceptions that others have of you other than to try and cover up uh, something, I don't know, immoral or out of alignment, out of balance with your own self, your own perspective or your own actions. So that, that was a big one that kind of dawned on me today that Perception control is still being controlling.
1: That's really beautiful. And that one reverberates down to the root chakra, right? Because the root chakra, again, with the roots, you know, it's, it's that time of the year. Um, you, you're able to connect deeply to the earth, to know who you are at your most true self, right? And to know that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Okay. And I think when we try to control other people's perceptions, it's because we've forgotten that we have this innate capacity to be safe and grounded and okay. And like, no matter what that person thinks about you or about your opinion or about your new, I don't know, bicycle, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you are it's not going to change the fact that your root is connected and that you are safe and, you know, allowed to be as you are.
0: Right. And like I was getting at with acting out of integrity and making that your real compass or your conscience as their compass, then it doesn't matter so much what anyone perceives of that because regardless of the, what they think you're still doing the right thing. So they, will either be like, cool, or they'll be wrong. (laughs) And it doesn't matter to you. You're going to keep doing the right thing for its own sake. That's like what it means to serve truth instead of serving, you know, your ego or even serving humanity, because sometimes serving humanity doesn't lead you in the direction of truth at all. In fact, that's kind of what we're needing to come out of with the last century's worth of mentality that we get ahead by our careers or by how much money we make or how much control we have over other people. In reality, what helps us change the world is only what we can change in ourselves. So uh, one thing that might relate to this, and I was wondering if you have any experience with it, uh, is internal cleansing or detoxing. I know I've had some big breakthroughs out of colon cleansing, and that's a, a root thing. Is that an aspect of your practice or something you've experimented with at all?
1: Um, yes, a little bit. I don't do many dietary cleanses, although I do eat whole foods and keep it clean. What I do is I cleanse with my breath. If you think about it, you know, food goes in you a bunch, but breath goes in you at an almost constant rate. Um, and so, and I'm a yogi, right? So, or a yogini. So I, I tend to do breathwork cleansing processes and energetic cleansing processes, and I do find them to be wonderful. There's a sense of of being able to let things go. And I think sometimes, especially like with the physical body, when you're doing like a, you know, your cayenne pepper and apple cider vinegar, you know, whatever the thing is that you happen to be doing, there's an idea of like oh i'm getting it out for good and that's not necessarily the case right because you're going to go back and start eating your food again hopefully in a healthy way but now you have a clean slate to start looking at like well what what do i want to put back in and i think even energetically you know if you do nothing else you know like take a look like what what is the energetic Imprint that you're carrying around. Are you carrying things that aren't serving you? You know, emotions, thoughts, actions. Like, is there something in your life that you're ready to put down? Or you could try, you know, take a break for a day, put everything down, and then think about what you want. You want back in, you know, from from media to um, to uh, to food, you know. Some people, because when you let it down, too, especially you hear people being like, oh, I had no idea I was allergic to this food until I stopped eating it for a month. And then I had an allergic reaction when I tried it again. We carry around all sorts of stuff we just get used to. And it's not necessarily always what we need.
0: That's brilliant. I actually have a personal experience with what you just described, putting something down for a month. and. Then the next time I tried it, realized it was not good for me at all. And that was dairy. I used to have the worst allergies to like everything from trees to cats. And whenever I quit dairy completely, that stuff just went away. I can actually breathe through my nose again, which is a big help to (laughs) staying detoxed in general, because as you're saying, the breath is the fuel that makes all the organs work. And they're all filtration systems and detox units for one part of our energy system or another. And cleansing can just be a clean diet and detoxing can just be a clean diet. Whole natural foods do that for our body automatically depending on what they are. So that's cool. I definitely uh, recommend everybody just at least focus on the breath work. I'm talking to myself here as I oscillate in and out of regular meditation practices and always have and to forgive yourself or not even feel the need to forgive yourself when you fall out of it and just realize like, well, I will feel better if I do it, even if it seems boring or uh, unnecessary. That's always the kicker is that we get to feeling good and then think we don't need the stuff that made us feel good anymore. (laughs) Speak.
1: So if you want to detox from anything, detox from the thoughts that are toxic, you know, the feelings of doubt, self-doubt, you know, self-worth, like wondering if you are, you know, feeling worthy of things like berating yourself for not doing something or for doing something like that is completely you're just you're just hurting yourself, right? If you if you're thinking negative thoughts or
0: anything. So Adding insult to injury.
1: Right. Like if you're detoxing and then you beat yourself up for not detoxing the right way, like just let it go.
0: <laughs> it's been an awesome conversation, Emily. I still have more things I'd love to chat you up about later. And uh, I'm more organized than ever before. So I'll actually keep track of that stuff and have, we'll have you back. This has been really fantastic. Thanks for being here. Can you let people know where to find you and the best ways to connect and maybe remind them what you can do for them as an amazing human that you are?
1: Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast again. I really enjoy the conversations we have. And so I'm just thrilled. Let's see, I'm an astro yoga specialist and a folklorist and a yoga teacher. So people can connect with me through my weekly astro yoga forecast, which is a weekly email I send out just telling you a little bit about what's going on in the stars and then a yoga pose that I suggest you do to help you prepare and handle what is happening. Beyond that, you can connect with me on Instagram or on Facebook. And I have a number of offers that are evergreen. You can always come see me for an astrology reading or an astro yoga session where I help you create a personal practice according to your yoga chart or your yoga chart, your astrology chart. As well, I do tarot readings. Those are all available in person or online. And right now I actually have something really special happening. It's it's called a 2020 cosmic forecast and intention setting session um, and in these I'm doing astrology charts tarot readings a really potent personal practice for your own astro yoga and a really powerful intention setting ritual that I usually only do with my long-term private clients it's a lot of what I offer at like the best price ever so if people are interested in that I'm going to close it down soon but I will leave it open at least two weeks after you air this podcast, just in case anybody wants to take advantage of that. And yeah, other than that, you know, I'm around, come see me um, for yoga classes. If people ever want to, sometimes I, sometimes I travel and other times I'm available in Eugene, Oregon for in-person work
0: fantastic i hope we get some people to follow up with you and find a really big benefit in working with you as i know that they would and yeah thanks again for being here this has been a blast everybody make sure and go follow emily on instagram or connect with her on facebook tell her what's up and uh, thanks for being here thanks for listening everybody Welcome to the outro of the show. Thank you for listening this far. It feels really good to have done this sort of almost customary new year forecasting type of show in a different sort of way. And looking at it through the lens of astrology and tarot, I mean, astrology is not super different for us here on Interverse, but I'm sure that most people don't take, you know, major transits into account whenever they're looking at the year. And by no means did we actually give an in-depth overview. I mean, there's so many houses and planets and things going on up there that you could pretty much make a year-long study out of just the year that we're going into, let alone the decade, and trying to uh, decipher what all that means. But I think that we touched on some really important themes that we can expect to unravel as we go forward in time. And we don't look at tarot that often on the show, so I was extremely pleased to be able to get that little reading in. Maybe it's something I should incorporate more. Let me know if you like that sort of thing. I might start bringing in some sort of oracle style situation into maybe the show's outros at the end of each episode. And we'll see like if we can start seeing those type of oracles actually coming true because, you know, you never know unless you ask the question. So I like to use the I Ching a lot more than the Western tarot, but I'd like to get more familiar with it. Our friends Dan and Scarlet over at Cosmic Keys Podcast are actually doing a great series right now on Tarot 101. So that's something if you thought it was really neato that we talked about this Five of Cups card in today's episode, you might want to go check out their little primer on how to actually start reading tarot for yourself because it is a pretty complicated system with a lot of symbols to unpack. And sure, it's very like, personal interpretation based, but that's also what's good about it. We might have each taken away our own little meaning and nugget of wisdom out of looking at the five of cups as we did today. So I thought that was really fun. And yeah, maybe we'll do more of that. I definitely just want to say I appreciate Emily coming back to the show because she's really awesome. And what she's doing is pretty needed. Definitely more unique than the average yoga teacher because of bringing in this whole astrology and other forms of divination into the mix. She's super wise and super fun to chat with and I'm positive we're going to do it again sometime down the road. I've got more questions than I had when I started I think especially when it comes to the folklore stuff which unfortunately for free people you probably didn't catch that amazing breakdown of some of the world's winter solstice traditions, but that was a big part of the the plus extension. So I'll just remind you again if you're not on plus It only costs five bucks a month and you get a two hour long show instead of one. It's literally the only way that the podcast can generate any income for me. And I spend a lot of time working on it. So I would love to get your support and I'd love to provide you with these extended episodes, which I think we got well over 80 at this point in the archive. So hop on over to patreon.com forward slash interverse if you're interested in signing up, becoming a member. And yeah, some of the things we talked about in that second hour were like I said, the folklore roots of winter solstice traditions, <laughs> including Santa Claus's shady secret identity. The story of the wild hunt, which is really badass uh, uh European folklore about these uh <laughs> like sort of undead or elves or spirits of dead people that have uh, some stories say a ship made out of sewn together corpses that flies through the air and they come and steal people away at night in the winter to press them into service for their mad crusade and it comes i think the original guy that the wild hunt was supposed to be led by was actually one of the proto odin figures anyway i say it's badass it's badass in like a hardcore metal sort of way actually if it was real it'd be pretty scary but metaphorically speaking there might be something very real about the archetypes being described by the wild hunt and yeah we explored that And the connection to Santa Claus and his flying sleigh. We talked about Amanita muscaria mushrooms and mushroom cults and shamanism. The exploration of the possible reality of elves, dwarves, and other little people in real life in the past. I personally think they might still be around somewhere underground, but that's a conversation for a future episode. We talked about the supernatural and extraterrestrial beings that we see being culturally influenced manifestations of spirit. Such as how in Iceland they have stories of trolls, but in Arkansas they have stories of Bigfoot. And yeah, maybe these things that people experience are more in their minds than not. That's a conclusion you might draw. We talked about listening to the body and moving to balance your polarized physical energy. Talked about stuff like ecstatic dance. We discussed archaeological sites that influence folklore beliefs. And of course that good old concept of meeting the devil at the crossroads. And how folklore influences what we discover in the liminal or in-between spaces. So the liminal spaces, that's something super interesting to talk about. And I'm going to get back to that later. The last thing in the plus extension was the chronic stress-addicted culture and how to change that from the inside out. Emily had some great advice for that. But liminality, that was my favorite thing in the plus extension. This concept of the sacred space or holy space where you meet You know, whether it's aliens or spiritual beings or saints or angels, there's all kinds of different ways that these things appear to us based on maybe like I was saying what we believe. But the sacred space being holy is really like another way of saying it's W-H-O-L-E. It's the space that represents the whole or the all. That's why it's usually like a dark forest or a crossing between two points. And that's where the unconscious actually lies symbolically in our physical 3d reality. So it's no surprise that you can run into all sorts of strange things when you're out on the road late at night in the dark. That's when the UFO starts hovering over you and the tractor beam starts going and you're like, Oh shit. If that's happened to you, you should let me know. I'm, I would love to hear about it unless it's too scary to uh, recall. (laughs) But yeah, this is a, Hopefully the first episode of many where we explore concepts of other types of humanoids, because I find that fascinating. And not just on like the alien spectrum, but the folklore roots of the fairy people and the elves and the dwarves, because there's quite a bit there in historical literature and especially in mythology And I've been more inclined than not lately to look at mythology as something that I take as more true than not true by default. And it's just a matter of figuring out where along the line, the game of Chinese whispers or telephone or whatever you called it when you're a kid has changed the uh, story away from the 100% facts. But the, the reality that there are the same types of folklore beliefs, just with different cultural flavors. In places all around the world, like when we were talking about winter solstice traditions at the beginning of the plus extension, I think that gives a lot of credibility to there being more to it than just a story that someone made up to entertain. And since we were talking about astrology a lot in this episode, there are definitely tie-ins to the archetypes in the sky when it comes to why certain winter solstice traditions around the world have the characters they have and the Santa Claus guy. And how that's all connected to things like planets and Saturn being uh sort of the background character that Santa is impersonating. <laughs> Not impersonating, but anyway, it's the same archetype. And that's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I'd definitely love to go more into that in the future. But yeah, thanks for listening. Definitely remember to go check out Emily Ridout's website, which you can find in the show notes and Again, the plus extension is available at patreon.com forward slash interverse. Go follow Emily on Instagram. I'll link that in the show notes as well. She's got a good Instagram. And the best thing to do if you want more of her is to get on her email list because she does great astro yoga email updates. It's definitely not the type of spam that you are used to when you get on someone's email list and they just want to sell you this thing or repeat the same information over and over again. Hers is really good and worth actually checking out. It's one of the few. Uh, mass recurring emails that I actually will check out (laughs) regularly. So big shout out to Emily. Thank you so much again for being on. And if you are new, definitely don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. That could be pretty much anywhere because I've made sure that Interverse is available on the YouTubes, the Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes podcast app, Google Play, you name it. Even a bunch that aren't mainstream that you might not have Heard of, so I won't list them all. But before we wrap this up, I got to tell you guys about this really great new EP by Cadella. I know I said I'm not going to really play show music anymore because it can get us kicked off Spotify, but I'm going to risk it once again and put some music in the outro here from the band Cadella. Good homies of mine and excellent, excellent musicians. This really good new stuff called fission fission's the name of the ep anyway and i'll link that in the show notes as well and you're about to hear it play us out and it's awesome so thanks for listening everybody if you want to do us a favor you can also go to the itunes podcast app leave us a five-star review i like to check that periodically and mention the cool things that people write there and it really does help people find the show that haven't heard of us before but are interested in similar topics if you give us that five-star review and it only takes a few seconds. So with that, I'm out of here. Love you guys. It's been an awesome time chatting with you and especially chatting with Emily. Hope you enjoyed it. Good stuff coming in the future. More stuff on elves, which is maybe seeming like out of a left field type of thing, but (laughs) hopefully you love it and we'll just go with it. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Much love. Bye-bye.